right, we're back to James chapter number 3. James chapter 3 in the Word of God. And I uh, hope everyone's had a great day, a great Christmas. And uh, I am thankful for our Savior, thankful for His blessings, and the fact that He came, that we might have eternal life. And uh, He didn't just come for the manger. The manger was uh, the part of it. But it was a very small part of it. He lived 33 and a half glorious years of sinless perfection. Uh, but he had never had an easy road, never had an easy life. But he uh, came that we might have life. We might have it more abundantly. And I'm thankful <clears throat> to him for that. I hope you've had a good day. And uh, God's been good to us. He's blessed us in so many ways. Good to our church. I want you to go to James 3, uh, verse number 1. My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. So what what is that talking about? What is that starting with? Well, this is the early church. Remember, this is the first epistle that would be written. And he is addressing... The age-old issue of um, those uh, basically power structures in church, and we see that. I, I've, <clears throat> we don't really have issues with that too much. Um, uh, Emmanuel, when I was there, had zero. It was never an issue. Um, but the modern church. I'm telling you, is made up of of this, this problem. And what James is saying here, he is trying to deal with a problem before it ever arises. Uh, Or, or it has already started to raise its head in the early church, and James is addressing it in that regard. I mean, he's already dealing with um, treating you know, those, those that uh, didn't look the part uh, just as good as anyone else dealt with that last time for those that uh, were not <clears throat> uh, as well financially should never be mistreated in, in deference to uh, those that were better off financially. So... That's what James is dealing with here uh, as he goes into this. He's dealing with the power struggle, power structure issue that you see in churches. In other words, people wanting to run things. Because we come here and he says, be not many masters. Verse number one. In other words, he's saying, well, don't don't seek to strive for uh, mastery, for office, for some kind of placement. He said, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. In other words, there is a level of responsibility that comes with having a say in things and uh, or or having a a position of influence. Okay, there's a greater responsibility for that. And so if, if it's not handled appropriately, you also suffer a greater condemnation. Um, because of that that position, for example, a pastor would be because of the position that he would be in, or 
as, as the scripture teaches, or, you know, a bishop, and I would say in the Old Testament, which was pretty much a different office. We could get into that at some point. Um, either way, the person in authority is going to be held to a, a higher standard before God, not necessarily before the people. Now, the people, because they think they're God, um, get that confused. They People think uh, that they can hold someone in a, in a position of influence or authority to a higher standard. That is not what this teaches whatsoever. Nowhere in the Scripture does it teach that. It is teaching that God will hold those to a different standard. So that, that's two different ways, vastly two different things here. So it's not that the people are to hold them to a higher standard. It's that God does. And so just be careful about seeking out control in a church. That's the long way of saying that. Be careful about seeking out positions or control and influence in a church. Because if you obtain it, God will hold you to a higher standard. All right? All right. Let's move on. Five minutes. Verse first. For in many things we offend of all. If any man offend not in word, the same as a perfect man, then also be able to bridle the whole body. Now he gets into this. This is another great verse. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. So a little tiny bit, you know, that's a rain, because it's a part of the rain. Um, just a little tiny piece that is placed in the horse's mouth. The entire body of this huge horse, this huge horse, is is controlled by that rain and bit, okay? Now, watch the analogy that he makes. That they may obtain this, and we turn about their whole body. Verse 4, Behold also the ships, which though they be so great, and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they tortured, or they turned about with a very small helm. So you got this massive ship, and you got very small helms underneath the ship that's able to turn it and to steer it whithersoever the governor listeth, even so the tongue. Oh, how about that? So James is making these two analogies, the bit in the horse's mouth being able to turn the whole body, and the helm of a, of a ship being able to turn this massive ship is comparing the tongue to those instruments. Why would he do that? Because we've got this big old body. We've got this 110, 115, 150, 200, 250 pound body. <clears throat> this body, this decision, everything that we do oftentimes is controlled by our tongues. <clears throat> tongues getting the best of us. Tongues being problematic in churches, tongues being problematic in relationships and in, and in life. So the tongue, this little tiny member of the body, this little piece of the body having the ability to, and, and influence to control 
so much. And it's tied in connection with the hunger and the desire for influence and for control and for power in a church. Now that I find that, I find that utterly fascinating. So, watch this. <clears throat> now, and, and that's the truth. That's that's so real. I mean, this is the first epistle to the churches. This is early, early in Christianity. It's early, early in the church. <coughs> and the Bible is teaching that what destroys a church is the need for authority and the tongue. It's the earliest epistle, folks. Do you know what control or what tears churches up today? People's desire for control over that church and the tongue. So we see that here. Look at that. Verse number four, behold, or verse number five, even so the tongue is a little member. So just like the bits in the horse's mouth, just like the helm of a ship, and boasteth great things, behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body, setteth on fire the course of nature, and is set on the fire of hell. So that's how strong and the emphasis placed on how damaging the tongue can be. It says that it's got the ability to set us on the fire of hell. That's strong statements. That's strong speaking. That's a strong issue. That ability of the tongue to set an individual on a path to hell. They don't realize how damaging their need for control is to their souls. It may make their pride feel good at the time. It may make their ego feel good at the time. But it is damaging and destructive to your soul to want to have power and influence and control over a church. It sets you, according to the Bible, on a path to hell. For every kind of beast, and of birds, and of serpents, and of things in the sea is tamed, and hath been tamed of mankind. That's true. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. You've heard people say that. I can't control my mouth. I just can't control my mouth. And they almost look at it like a a badge of of honor, or or a place they could be. Or they almost look at it like a, a positive character aspect of their lives. When... In fact, it's the very thing that's that's sending them to hell. And that's this is talking to church people, folks. If you think that everyone in a church is saved, you don't know very much about the Bible. And the Bible is clear to us on how to distinguish who is usually who is saved and who isn't. When you see a person, as he dealt with in the last chapter, that treats the, the rich or the financially secure better than he would treat a, uh, someone that doesn't have the same funds. Then when you get into this chapter and you see someone that has a desire for power, influence, and control, and then you see someone that can't control their tongue, the Bible's pretty clear on the pathway that these folks are taking. So just as we're able to control <clears throat> horses and and we're able to control serpents and sea animals and tame them, the Bible says, but no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil 
all sorts of evil, gossip, manipulation, power uh, structure, power struggles, all, all gossip, slander, you name it. That all comes from the tongue, but it, the, it's resulted in the tongue. Let's, let's go on. Verse 9, or verse 8, But the tongue can no man tame, and is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men. Ooh. So you go and you bless God. You praise God. You sing God, sing to God. I worship today. Then you turn around and curse men. Which are made after the similitude of God. That person that you just cursed, that person that you just gossiped about, that person that you just lied about, that person that you just can't get along with, and you and that's fine. You know what? We don't all get along. We don't. We're not all gonna get along. I know that's a news flash to people. <clears throat> I know that's news to people. Everybody's not gonna get along. You're not gonna be best friends with everyone. The problem is those that you don't, you continue to talk about. You can continue to gossip about. You continue to slander. Therein is the problem. Because that person, just as you, are made in the image of God. Out of the same mouth, verse 9, Therewith bless we God, even the Father. Therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. How about that? My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Doth the fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either of vine, figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. So look at the analogy he's making here. He's saying when you go to a fountain and you get water out of it, that same fountain with the same fountainhead is not going to bring sweet water out of one, bitter and or one at once, and bitter water out of at another time. It's not going to do it. Now, <clears throat> he's saying the problem is people. You'll see people allow cursing and blessing, praising God and cursing men, come out of their mouths. He says, you know people by their fruits. Now watch this. Verse number 13, who is a wise man. Well, let me just stop right there. By their fruits you shall know them. That's that's the analogy here. I've got a fig tree in my yard. That fig tree does not bear cherries. It does not bear blueberries. It does not bear apples, nor does it bear peaches. It is a fig tree from its root. It is a fig tree in its makeup. <clears throat> it is a fig tree in, in what it is. You know what it bears? It bears figs. Okay? <clears throat> and James is saying there's a problem when people say they are they are following God, they are saved, they are a child of God, Christian, however you want to term it. But the fruit that is being born is filthy gossip vain speaking hateful speak coming from their mouths towards another person 
That's the analogy of their value, their fruits. You shall know them. So, <clears throat> verse 13, who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you, let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. So a good a knowledgeable, wise man is one <clears throat> that his life is demonstrated in front of you with wisdom. He's not always talking. He doesn't always have to be the lead. He doesn't have to, to be at the forefront. But you watch his life and it bears the wisdom of God. But if you have bitter envy and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. If you've got bitter bitterness and you got strife and you got envy in your heart, don't even try to worship until that gets out of there. That's what it says. Okay? Verse 15. This wisdom descend is not from above, but it is earthly, sensual, devilish. So when a person is like that, they are they're sensual, they are devilish. The Bible will use the strong words for this. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. You see that. Where envying and strife is, that's speaking about the context of a church, but can be applied to a family or a relationship. Where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. Every evil work. So that means when there's envy and strife, there's confusion but there's probably adultery there. There's probably someone that's wished I could kill another person there. That's how desperate and dark indeed these issues are. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy, good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. How about that? James is telling us what it means to be a Christian here. But here's, here's what Jesus said. He said, Out of the heart proceedeth those things that come out of our mouths. So what comes out of our mouth is what's in our hearts. That's why. Have you ever just let something build up, build up, build up, build up, and then you lay into the person, your husband, your wife, your friend, your children, your parents, whomever. You just build, let it build, 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 and then you just lay into it. You want to know why? Because that's what come out of your heart. That's where your heart was. Have you ever <clears throat> had words of disagreement with somebody and it escalated and then things took a turn that, that went into a different realm, a more serious realm? And you're thinking, where did that come from? It come from their heart. It was already there. And that was their opportunity to get it out to you and say how they really felt or say what was on their mind. It come from their heart. That's, that's a problem. That's why we're to guard our hearts, keep our hearts clean and pure before God. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, so if it comes from God, number one, it's going to be pure. Number two, it's going to be peaceable. You'll, you'll want peace. You won't want strife. You won't want problems. You'll want peace. Gentle. Okay, you'll be a gentle person. Easy to be entreated. Okay. 
what what that would mean it would be free from all earthly and sensual devilish uh, easy to be treated would mean open to reason you're open to reason let me stop and talk about that again people dig their heels in on a position and they don't budge that is not easy to be entreated that is not easy to be uh, dealt with that is not easy to be negotiated with the Bible said that if you've got wisdom from God just look peaceable, gentle easy to be entreated do you see that? open to open to reason there are people that say they're saved that you cannot sit down with them and reason and show you want to know why emotions get involved. They feel like they feel. Their heels are dug in. Well, that's not from God. If I can be anything, and if I try to pride myself on being any way and having any kind of a characteristic, it is open to reason. And especially in a church setting where you've got two two sides and they're on opposite sides. You, you've got to be able to be reasonable towards the other person, towards the other viewpoint. That's from God. That's, that's what your Bible says. Easy to be entreated. That means open to reason. Full of mercy. That means when it doesn't go your way, you still love them. You still provide mercy. When someone has wronged you, you still show them mercy and good fruits without partiality that means no favoritism and without hypocrisy that means be what you say you are and the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace what a wonderful wonderful chapter in the word of God the book of James very short chapter it's a short study tonight But there's enough there for us to chew on till Wednesday night. Good night. God bless. I love each of you.